welcome to the On Call Room, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. I'm your host, one of your hosts, Abby, not the only one. <laughs> and I'm the other host, Bree, and, and it's, it's a, a beautiful, beautiful day, day to, to podcast. podcast. Uh, we are so happy you're here today. Um, it's almost June, which is wild, and Memorial Day weekend has come and gone, and we're still talking about Grey's Anatomy. Yes, right into the summer. Uh, if this is your first time listening, we are a Grey's Anatomy podcast. We're deep diving into every single episode. Um, this is a spoilers podcast. So we're talking about future Grey's and previous Grey's. And so if you haven't finished the series, um, just be warned that you might be spoiled. Absolutely. And uh if you want to support the podcast or you want to get some more content, uh, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash the on-call room where you can pledge to be an intern, resident, or an attending. Uh, that's $2, $5, or 10 All of these benefits or all these different levels get you different benefits. Uh, one of the ones people love the most is access to our Facebook group, which we love, and it's a really great community of people. We also have the opportunity to do a monthly Zoom call with us for $10, and for $5, you get bonus episodes once a month. Um, last month was kind of silly. We talked about some things having to do with adolescence because we're all at home during quarantine, and we thought, what better to do than to look through our old journals? Um, but sometimes, when, especially when recent like new grays is on, we're definitely talking about the current season. So check that out, give us some support and just know that we are so thankful for it. And it truly helps us continue to podcast weekly without your support. We would not be able to do that. Um, what's another way they can find us? Um, another way is on Instagram at the on call room pod. Um, there we post when new episodes have dropped. Um, sometimes Abby likes to jump on the stories and post little <laughs> things about animal crossings. Uh, I don't <laughs> get it, but, <laughs> but that's okay. This is a partnership and she's allowed to have her opinions and things. So, um, yeah, but um, it, it's also a great way to connect with us. Um, some people send over like funny Grey's memes to us or some people tag us in a post and we like to put those in our stories. So if you want to connect with us, you can send us a message there. Yep. And the last two ways you connect is one is if you need to send us a private message, please do so on our website, www.theoncallroompod.com. Maybe you have a great idea for a bonus episode or you have something you want us to talk about. We would love to get your suggestions. And also rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you listen. This is truly the best way that people decide to hit play. We are currently at a 4.8 scalpels, as we like to say. We'd love to be at a five, but we just love when you guys give us a little insight as to why you love to listen. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. Um, the last thing we've been talking about the past two weeks, we uh, we reached a goal on Patreon. So once again, thank you everyone who has um, contributed and donated to the podcast. Um, so we added a new little bonus feature for our, our $10 attendings. Um, after the episode ends, after we call time of death, our attendings get an extra 10 minutes of bonus content. Um, last week, we talked about our middle school selves um, leading into our bonus episode. This week, um, we're going to talk a little bit about human genome mapping. Uh, I know nothing about it, so it's not <laughs> going to be super sciencey. but I picked up a little bit of something on the internet. We're just going to ask questions in regards to ourselves and the characters in Grey's Anatomy about human genome mapping. So if you're interested yep. in that, um, you can 
pledge to be a $10 attending. Yep. And if you do, if you pledge that, you'll also get access to the other week's episodes that have the bonus content on it. So um, it's not like you just- A backlog, yes. Uh, So check that out, and we're excited to talk about that. And just a reminder, if you are a patron, you'll hear us call time of death, and then immediately following is when that part will air. So don't turn off the podcast. Yes. Um, Hi. Hi. Oh, got through that. (laughs) You are also halfway through a semester of grad school. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. Holy shit. Uh, It's a lot of work, y'all, going back to school. You're a student. (laughs) Especially during social or distance learning. And uh, I just, yeah, I think online classes are probably more busy work, work intensive than like having a class discussion in person. So yeah, agreed. It's been weird, but. I don't envy you. No, I don't envy myself. (laughs) I heard a really good quote though. Uh, so I'm listening to, as is, I guess, a podcast recommendation too. uh, our, my friend Katie Dalebout, who we've spoken about because we are featured on her. She had a podcast course that we have talked about before. She has a new podcast called happy. Thank you more, please. And it's with Josh Radner. The most people know him because he played Ted Mosby on how I met your mother, but he also directed and starred in the movie, happy. Thank you more, please. And liberal arts, which are like two of my favorite movies. And he's just an incredible human being and has just, he's very wise. He's like one of those people that like remembers a quote. Like when someone tells you something wise, I feel like I remember it for a second and then I lose it. He like remembers quotes so well, which I just Mm. wish I had that ability. But I was thinking about you in grad school and how like, it's kind of like scary, you know, to like put yourself out there and to be like doing something like towards a goal that you want. And he talked about how fear you only really fear the things you want. His example was like, I don't fear becoming a plumber because like, I know, like, I don't want to be a plumber, but mm-hmm. I, like, and it made me think of like, uh, like, you know, it's like scary to go to school and put yourself out there, but like you're working towards something you really want. And that's why it's scary. Cause you don't want to like lose it. And I'm thinking exactly. about that with me too. And like things that I want to do with my shift in my career lately. And I just thought that was such a good little quote. Yeah, I I think that makes perfect sense. It's because you have something to lose. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it sucks. It does. <laughs> but you uh, know, fear can be a good a good driving force. I mean, like I because I have a little bit of fear like I'm studying really hard and I want to do well in my classes so I get to stay in the program and do what I want, you know. So like there's like a motivation behind fear, I think yeah. too. Yeah. Um it was just a beautiful thing. So I also recommend you guys all listen to that podcast. It's really, really great. So um, also thanks for listening to ours. <laughs> thanks for listening to what? For, to ours. Oh, yeah. Right. Thanks. <laughs> did you do anything over Memorial Day weekend? Um, John and I did a fuck ton of yard work. Um, yeah. We just got knee deep in that dirt. We had a bunch of, I know this is kind of boring homeowner shit, so I'll just say it really fast. We have like a perimeter garden around our yard that has these rocks around it that it was so overgrown, you couldn't see the rocks anymore. So we tore all of this ground cover out that just spreads everywhere and, you know, discovered like perennials and stuff in it that we, you know, took out and replanted. And so it was a lot of like dirty, like, uh, labor-intensive, like, shoveling root system out <laughs> uh, work. But then we got pretty much our whole backyard done 
pulling that stuff out. I mean, we have to like plant stuff that we want, but that will happen over the years. And, you know, you can't do everything in the first year. So, um, yeah, that's mostly what we did. It did was, you get to like, my favorite thing about yard work is when you take that shower afterwards oh and then you yeah. sit and you look at it. Yeah, that we did. Yeah, we would like, I'm going to go take a shower and then we'd start the grill. We ate a lot of brats, hot dogs, and uh, hamburgers oh, over the weekend. The best. <laughs> yeah, actually the last day of like all of our yard work, we went and picked up steaks and we grilled them on the charcoal grill and like, oh, it was so good. Drank a glass of wine and like put our feet Look, up. and Looked at looked your at yard. It. Looked at our yard. <laughs> it's like, when the fuck did we turn into these people? I don't know, but I find like even the past couple times you and I have talked, we've just been talking about house stuff. And it's like, wow, I don't have anything cool to talk about. So it's like I painted my kitchen and I got to like, you know, do one more coat. It's very similar to the dining room color. Is it too similar? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know when we became these people at all. And I found myself this weekend like... I did like just couldn't even stay up late. I just wanted to like I was like ah oh, I can't wait to get into bed and read. <laughs> it's just like who the fuck am I? Um, that's amazing. I have. That's found- funny that you haven't been able to stay up late because I'm gonna have to shift my schedule when I'm like going back to work in person next week. Um, like I've been working, you know, from home this yeah. whole time. And now we're non-essential doctors' offices are allowed to be opened in Michigan. So I have to go back to work. Um, and through this time, I've like shifted my schedule to like staying up really late and sleeping in. Like I feel like a teenager again. Yeah. And I like stay up till like at least midnight, sometimes one in the morning. You're just a night owl. I am. I've always been that. And I know, I think people have like different like circadian rhythms or something. I've always just preferred to stay up later and go and get up a little bit later. Not like, you know, noon or something, but I'd rather sleep till like 9, 30, 10, probably 10. So I'm just stressed out because I have to like get back on a normal sleep schedule and I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah, my ideal is going to bed between 11 and 12 and waking up at 8. Like, 8 is a, it's a struggle, but it's not, like, it, I, once I'm awake, I'm like, oh, my day has begun. Um, mm. I just love coffee and, like, sitting in, also, I think I sent you that meme that was, like, what gets me up in the morning? It was, like, my bladder. Not, like, <laughs> something <laughs> yeah. positive. It's always, like, I have to fucking go pee. Um, yeah. I had one more. Oh, I just wanted to say to any, I'm curious if any listeners have cut their significant other's hair or Mm. anyone else in their lives. I have found such a new joy in it. Um, Are you going to go back to school to cut hair? (laughs) I had a dream of that once. Like years ago, I was like legitimately looking into it. I'm glad I didn't go that route, but I just thought it was like a very fun career. Um, I wanted to be like a celebrity hairstylist though, which I like don't think you can start doing that at like 26. Yeah, I um, think I think everyone like has had that dream. Like I went and toured Douglas J and I was yeah. like I'm going to pay like for a like a year's worth of like actual college, which I'm not saying like yeah. doing hair is important or whatever, but there are also ways that you can do it that you don't have to take out crazy amounts of like loan money. And I was about to drop like $20,000 to go to school for my- Dude, same. I looked it all up. I was like so excited. But then I was like, I guess I can't be that in Grand Rapids. Like the celebrity right. hairstyles live in LA and New York. Like they don't, 
live. I don't have any connections. It was weird. It was a weird moment of my life. But, um, but I cut Jake's hair, obviously. And then I cut my dad's hair. He just like was looking crazy. Like, like he was like, I kind of want to grow it out, but it's like, there's nothing on top. It's only on the sides and the back. It's very curly in the back. And he just was looking really nuts. And so he finally let me and I like trimmed the sides and he was like, wow. And then I woke up the next day. He chased quick paid me the same amount. He pays his hairdresser. Oh, I was like, God. dad, you do not have to pay me. Um, but it was sweet and very cute. I was happy to see my parents this weekend. We both have been like completely separated and not gone anywhere. And so we, um, I decided to go, I feel like I just needed to support my mom and be there. And so it was so nice. I just to like sleep and wake up and have coffee with her. And yeah, it was a good, it was a good weekend. So that's good. Um, speaking of haircuts, John really needs one. He has like, he has hockey hair going on. Um, cause he was already kind of growing out his hair, but now it is taking mullet form. Like, because (laughs) It's like not shaped anymore. And he's like, I feel so, he's super self-conscious about it. Like his boss was like, dude, you need a haircut. And it was like, well, no shit. He needs a haircut. But do you know of anywhere he can get a haircut right now? Like there's nothing we can do about this. But like he can almost put his hair in a ponytail. And he came home the other day. He was walking across the yard and I was like, whoa, dude, you need a haircut. Like, you know how sometimes it just hits at the right moment and it was yeah, like yeah. flowing. And he was like, I know, I've been self-conscious about it all day. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. It looks great, man. Like, you just keep doing you. But it really, like, I'm not being that person who's like, I need a haircut, but really I need a haircut. And I will wait as long as I need to for it to be safe. And I'm not asking anyone to go back to work who doesn't feel safe. Yeah. But goddamn, I need a haircut. <laughs> Yeah. Also, like your roots, you have oh, like they're they're bad. They're you do like not have naturally white hair. <laughs> no, it's rough, and the fact that I have to go like back to work with my hair looking like this, it's yeah. I don't. <laughs> they're I don't gonna know deal your secret. It. They're gonna I know your secret. <laughs> I know. But you know, um, maybe I'll I just wonder- stop dyeing my hair. I've been trying to convince my mom to go naturally gray. Like you have to get it done to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to like have them like basically like I'm pretty sure they kind of give you like highlights and then they tone them and like, you know, they they blend it. Like I'm not saying she should be white, but like I think with her super dark hair, she could be that like speckled color where it's like lighter in the front. I'm so Mm -hmm. trying to convince her because she goes so often and it costs so much money. And I honestly think she'd look cool with it. I was like showing her all these chic photos of women with like these, you know, really nice gray bobs and stuff. And she she wasn't buying it. I know I want my mom to go gray too because hers was really bad, like her roots too. And she went and bought like boxed something or other. Yeah. Um, But she was like, absolutely not. I will (laughs) never. I was like, okay, (laughs) alrighty then. So that's not an option. Nope. So Um, I have one more thing before we talk about grays and I don't have to talk about it that long, but I would like to tell all of the listeners that John and I finished Homeland last night. (gasps) Oh man. Skip ahead. Maybe like how many minutes? Uh, I'll, uh, like, three. Okay, perfect. Uh, am also, I allowed to say Also, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. If you haven't watched Homeland, skip ahead three minutes. We will not care that you skipped it. Uh, yeah, so I'm allowed to spoil right now? Yes. Okay. I feel, I, I mean, I liked the ending. John was really sad about it. I thought it ended really well. Like, I liked that they brought the Brody thing in in the beginning of the episode. Yep, yep. Um, 
because, and then, I don't know. I thought that it was kind of confusing the last episode. I was like, where is this going? What is going on? Um, but she became his new asset. Right. And it's it's like the judgment of like, was Brody good or bad? Like he, he was, you know, it's kind of like, is Carrie good or bad? Like, you know, like she's right. ultimately good, but she's having to act in a certain way. It's, it's so full circle. And yeah, I love that. Like, I mean, it was horrible when that woman had to, like, she killed herself. You know, yeah. like, and I was so mad at Carrie. I was like, oh, but I, I feel like this is the only sacrifice that Carrie made that like would make that oh, not okay. But you know what I mean? Like she is now stepping into those shoes. I thought it was really brilliant. Well, I also, is it, I, one quick question. Where was Saul going? Was he retiring? Where was he moving? Like, do we not know? Is he back oh, in the game now? <laughs> oh, I don't remember. I'll have to, I have to think about that. I can't remember. It was like a month ago that I watched it. John was really sad, I think, because he was like, you know, they had very much like a father-daughter relationship. Yeah. And he was like, they don't anymore. And I was like, I think that's like the point, too. Like, I do think like Carrie and Saul needed to outgrow their relationship. Yeah. And it had to become something different. And I don't know. I just, it wasn't like the best show I've ever seen you know, but it was a really good show. And I think it ended in a really good way. And I don't know. I couldn't have seen it ending any other way, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I feel like it was hopeful in the sense that there might be a day that their relationship is restored a little bit. But also, yeah. like, if you think about all the shit he put her through, you know what I mean? Like, and and ways he used her. And, like, I just feel like... Dude, that scene where she yells at him and says, I have done everything you have asked me to do. Exactly. And I I was like, you know what? She's right. She has done every single thing and put herself in harm's way. I do feel bad for Franny. Like, I I mean, although it's probably maybe better. I don't know that, you know. I feel like they wrote the Franny thing and then they were like, shit, we probably shouldn't have given her a kid. We need to just write this out. We need to write her out because, you know, at least she has a stable home with her sister. And like, that's good. I I also really like, I also believe that she does love Yevgeny. You know what I mean? Like, so this is a way that like she can do both. Like, I don't think that she's like faking loving him. I totally agree. So she always always falls in love with her assets. So, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, through through and through, that made sense. So anyway, very good. This is not a Homeland podcast, so you and I can talk about it more later. But just all right. That's perfect. Well, let's dive into Grey's Anatomy. Um, this week, we are talking about episode season nine, episodes 19 and 20, Can't Fight This Feeling, and She's Killing Me. Um, I'll read the first monologue. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's by Meredith Grey. Let's say you're standing in an OR staring at an aneurysm that's embedded deep into a patient's frontal lobe. There are three things you'll need to remove it. You'll need confidence. You'll need an 11 blade and some really good instincts. There are some feelings that refuse to go away. There are little distractions whispering in your ear. Some things just get under your skin. Try as you might, you can't ignore your instincts. It's like they say, always follow your intuition. Okie dokie, and she's killing me. Patients say it all the time. Tell me straight up. I just want to know what's going on. Tell me I can handle it. We don't dodge your questions because we're mean. We do it because when you say you want the truth, the truth is horrible. Frightening. You Sorry. <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, yeah. When you, <laughs> when you say you want the truth, 
You have no idea what you're talking about. They say the truth will set you free. What the hell do they know? The truth is horrible, frightening. The truth is more than you can bear. We're supposed to be straight with you, so be careful what you ask for when you walk into a hospital. Because when you find out what's really going on, you may never recover. Meredith Gray. Nice. I don't know how to read. That's okay. Um, do you want to do shotgun workup since I wrote the rounds and they're kind of, I just want to make sure I say yeah. them right. Yeah. There's a so lot of have, them. Parker Hedges has Kawasaki disease. Cam Miller, minor injury, severe burn, snapped elbow. Rachel Dawson, frontal lobe hemorrhage, temporal lobe hematoma, and Capgras cap syndrome. Uh, Paul Dawson has chest bruising, fluid around lungs, widen um, mediastinum, air, uh, aortic dissection, myocardial infarction. Nice. Ethan Dawson has minor wrist laceration, abdominal. Oops. Wait. Yeah, I don't. I didn't write the name of this person. Uh, this person's name is abdominal bruising, <laughs> oh, and they no. have second degree burns, a prolapsed cord, and burns. <laughs> oh, it was the woman who was pregnant. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Matthew Taylor burns. Joyce Bosch post op infection. Kathy Dong post op infection, and Seth Lepic um, erythema swelling fever post op infection. Great. Um, all right. So these are in no particular order, but the things that I feel like were big in these two episodes, um, starting with number one, the motherly instinct idea, um, talking about the, pa- the patient with the son who has Kawasaki disease, as well as like Meredith acting as like a mother and a doctor working with her. And this kind of writes into uh, Meredith and Derek doing the genome mapping and then rewriting their like will. Um, I'm just tying that all in together. Uh, a little bit on Callie's speech for the TED, which I'm assuming is that a TED talk? Yeah, 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 I think so. Okay, her TED talk. Um, we have April and Matthew, they're like her sort of like breakdown while working on that patient. Matthew getting burned, saying I love you, saying that she Like actually wants- physically getting burned, not- Yes, yes. <laughs> well, also a little bit mentally burned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, saying that he loves her and then wanting her to meet his mom. And then she finally tells the truth about her virginity. We have the Brooks-Shane debacle working with Derek Shepard and the interns rotating. Um, we have Owen doubting that Christina putting is putting the patients first and kind of his like interactions with Ethan, the little boy. We have the storyline of the Syrian doctors coming in and learning how to do surgery with limited supplies. Um, oh, I meant to add this to the top one, but it's just same with uh, Mare and Dare doing their will, also working on like their health directives. I just wanted mm-hmm. to talk about that. And then um, Bailey's three patients becoming infected and her being the only common thread within them all. Um, so I did not remember that storyline, by the way. Oh, yeah. This is where um, I think her OCD manifests itself from the storyline. Ah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. First notes. Mine was, Mare has a really good instincts as a mom knowing Zola is up. Yeah. I I just wrote mother's instincts. (laughs) I think they're real. I, I just wrote mother's instincts. I think they're really real. Oh, yeah. I feel like so many mothers talk about that, that they just know. I think I have them with my dog that Jake does not. Oh, yeah, I definitely have them with Marge. I mean, I birthed her. (laughs) Wow. The beautiful fur fur ball that she was. (laughs) Um, 
Let's maybe really quick. Can we just get the little Callie thing out of the way? Because that kind of like starts with that, right? That's like the next scene. And sure, I just to say, but yeah, I just want to before we do that, I just want to say my next note was, was lots of morning sex in the beginning of this episode. Oh yeah, lots of good morning sex. Yeah, good morning. Sex. Yes, it good is. Good <laughs> morning. Yeah, I prefer morning sex. By the way, I don't. That's fine. I just like, I have to brush my teeth first. Yeah, I don't feel awake and I feel like, <laughs> I don't know, like, and my hair is like huge. <laughs> uh, well, that's great. So yeah. moving on from my sexual preferences. Preferences. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I want to note that, and I think this is a common thing with Callie. To me, like she is such a confident person and mm-hmm. character and like is confident in her like, in her sex appeal, in her relationships, in all of these things. At least she's worked her way there. But it's interesting how public speaking is not one of her fortes. Um, Well, yeah, I just found it really interesting. I didn't mean to cut you off, but, like, I find it really interesting that Callie even agreed to do this TED Talk because, like, she's so afraid of public speaking. Do you remember that episode where she's so nervous? Yes. Yeah, why would you agree to do a TED Talk then? Well, maybe because it's like, I mean, I think it's just like the accomplishment of getting what she, her sure. cartilage or whatever she's talking about. But yeah, I mean, public speaking has never been her strong suit. And it's really so, It's I think it's a great characteristic they gave her because you just wouldn't think she wouldn't be good at it. Um, right. But yeah, she's reading from these cards and she is just like really struggling. And Arizona's trying to help her and trying to tell her like, imagine everyone's naked. She ends up getting naked and then they have sex, which is great. But um, it's just like none of these things are working for her. She's just basically kind of traumatized by this idea. And it's not like what she has to present, I feel like, is really interesting and exciting and great and like a huge accomplishment. She's just not good at presenting it. Right. Um, And that kind of like storyline is dropped a little bit. She ends up because of this tanker explosion or whatever, having to stay in the hospital and miss her flight to the TED talk, Um, but they end up, which very timely into like COVID-19 things, I feel like um, they, well, she ends up doing it via like video camera, internet and whatever. But before that, uh, Arizona is, she's like, yeah, I have to miss it. I'm not gonna be able to go. And Arizona says something like, great, now you're gonna have more time to spice up your speech. Right. Which is just not what she wanted to hear. Um, I think because earlier Arizona was like, it's great. It's perfect. It doesn't need anything. And now she's like, oh, yeah, you really could use some work. Um, yeah. But- I loved I loved the part. Um, hold on. I'm. You can keep talking because I got to find the note about it. Oh, um, I just think like she's clearly like offended by that statement and doesn't feel like it was like supportive in any way. Um, but they end up letting her do it like via recording. And I think it's just interesting. Like, I think in general, people, when they're reading off of cards, it's not as impactful as if you're just speaking with passion. And so Mm -hmm. she ends up being able to do that and actually get her idea across. And it trends. It goes viral. Oh, I don't remember that that part. My favorite. I love that when Richard was talking about it. He said, I saw one about floating LG pods and it reminded me to live every day to the fullest. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that note. He would watch that. But it's true that like TED Talks are like that. Like it's about this one thing, but then they ultimately are just like, you got to like. I don't know, live your life to the fullest or like life is short. Life is fragile. So for sure. It was great. Um, 
But yeah, she says to Jackson that cartilage is trending and that she's gone viral. And she, because she's oh, trying to like- that in the next episode? Yeah, maybe. It's when she's like trying to get money from, uh, or a vote from Jackson yes. for something. But yeah, she references her speech and how it uh, is, you know, going well. Yeah. Uh, well, and I thought she ended up, I was kind of like, where are you going with this? When she's like, I had a really rough year. Like, I got in a car accident. I almost lost my wife, like, which in an accident that took my best friend, the father of my baby, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then um, she ended up saying that, like, I work, and then I was like, okay. And I didn't, and then she was like, I work with bones or something. I was like, that beginning part had nothing to do. But then she tied it in and was like, so I've been thinking, uh, I've thought a lot about what holds us together. It's like, oh, goddamn, that's really good. Yeah, she's so. doing the same thing with the LG pods and light live mm-hmm. life to the fullest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's that. Oh, she said, what holds us together when things fall apart? I said, I got GGBs and why am I so emotional? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, must be our cycles. I think so. Yeah. Mine's coming um, in hot. <laughs> coming in real hot. Uh, should we keep doing like smaller ones before we get into the larger topics? Sure. We're doing it backwards this week. Yeah. You know, we're just flip-flopping around. Flippity-floppity. Um, we can talk about Brooks and Shane. Okay. Sure. Uh, so Owen is telling Derek that he needs to not continue to use the same intern because they all need to be well-rounded and get different rotations. Um, I feel like Weber did this with the original interns, too. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense to me. Also, I'm just more confused that there's not, like, a uh, more organized rotation. Like, I think there is normally. Like, you rotate. There's, like, a schedule. On services? Yeah. Yeah, this is like, oh, I'm sleeping with you. I want you to be on my service. Yeah, Um, or, like, you understand, like, what I want in my, like, OR. So, like, you've worked with me this many times. You can just stay on my service or whatever. Yep. So, Ross has been, we learn, with Shepard for, like, 20-some surgeries, he says to her. And right away, Brooks, too, she comes in and she says, um, Chief Hunt says, I need to learn brainy things. And I'm... (laughs) I just don't understand her character yet. Like, I just don't have well, a good grip on her. you better her. figure it out soon because she's leaving the show <laughs> I know. I just, <laughs> I know. Um, so she comes in. Like, Shepard is obviously annoyed by her. Um, and I love when they're in surgery and she's just, like, asking him a million questions and talking. And you can clearly tell that he's trying to focus. And I love how he says that phrase. He's like, you know when people say it's not brain surgery, as in, like, it's easy. He goes, this is brain surgery. <laughs> I just thought that was great. Um, it's also weird how Shane and Brooks are like talking about Derek right next to him as if he can't hear them. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. he's operating, so he might be focused. But Shane's like, if you just chill out, you can become his favorite. And he's like literally like right there. Um, yeah. I mean, you can definitely tell that Ross wants Shepard all to himself. Like he doesn't yes. want Brooks to be there. Um and then in the beginning, you can tell, like, that Ross feels like he has the upper hand. Yes, yes. He's, like, giving her advice and, like... Yeah. Then there's this moment where, like, I think, like, oh, it's when Derek is handing the instrument to Ross and he drops it and Brooks catches it. Yes. And um, Derek's like, you have really quick hands. And so then after surgery, he's just throwing Brooks things while talking to Ross. And she's catching every single thing, which is showing that she, I think she has really good instincts and like really good um, 
she'd just be really good in surgery. I think it's what it's showing. <laughs> yeah, and I love how Ross is like, oh, throw one to me. And then he like throws it and like bounces off of him <laughs> and like falls off. Yeah, and so Derek starts um, using Brooks more like in the surgery. Um, and it's really sad. So uh, I think it's Richard. Someone approaches Shane because he's like not only working in the pit, he's also monitoring Derek's patients. And Derek says like, oh, he just gets connected to the cases and, you know, wants to stay on it. But really it's that like, he doesn't want to give it up and give up his spot. So he's working like twice as hard as mm-hmm. every intern. Cause he's doing two things at once. And I thought it was really like, it's, it's really sad, but it's really necessary. Derek gives him that like speech. And he says to him, um, that basically like, Brooks does what you do, but you have to work twice as hard to do it. And he's like, well, it doesn't matter. Like I'm doing it. And he's like, you need to find a specialty that comes naturally to you. And that is your strength. And I feel like that would be so harsh to hear. Cause like he's getting it done. Well, and it's his passion, but like, it's, it's that thing. I don't really have an example off the top of my head, but it's, it's that thing. Ooh, ooh. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's in center stage at the end when she says, you you had the heart, like, but you didn't have the feet, like, yes. to her mom. And she's like, I have the feet, but I just don't have the heart. Have the heart. Ugh. Yeah. That's wow, a that's example. a great reference. Also, my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Um, so it's like Shane really has the heart for it, but, like, Shepard is like, you are you have to work really hard at this, and you'll be a great surgeon in a different specialty where you don't yes. have to— not try as hard, but it just comes easier, more, it's more natural, I think, you know? Yeah. Yep. And then he's like real cold towards Brooks. Is that the, doesn't this episode end with them in the bar? I believe so. Yeah. And he's like, you, I know what you're doing. Yeah. And yeah. So doesn't he love her? Who? Shane. Ross? Love Brooks? Yeah. I don't think so. Who loves Brooks? And then she, when she dies, it's like, I thought that was her. Am I thinking of um, the guy that died of the gunshot wound and Charlie? Wow, wow. I'm. So- someone loved an intern and then they died and they never told them. Um. Well, Charles didn't Charles. tell. Uh, what's her name? And then she died too. <laughs> yeah. Shoot. Uh, Reed. 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 Yeah. I was thinking of Charles and Reed, maybe, and not them. Okay. Anyway, I think what ends up happening. I don't want to spoil it for you. You don't remember. But yeah, don't spoil it for me. I want to be surprised. I think Ross ends up feeling bad about Brooks, and I'll just leave it at that, that she dies. Okay, perfect. Okay. Um, that's all I have on those two. Um, I believe same. Um, you pick. Let me Popcorn. see. Popcorn Brie. Pick what we should talk about next. Okay. Um, so next, I think we should talk about... Um, Maybe let's talk about <laughs> oh April's. Well, I was just reading all of them. I was, maybe let's talk about April's. Shut up. April's breakdown. <laughs> okay, perfect. I love it. Um, I couldn't figure out. So, so there's, she's breaking down about, I, I believe, the woman who came in pregnant who said, save my baby. And then April said to her, why don't we save both of you? Um, uh-huh. And she's also the woman that her cord was like, the baby's cord was Dude. coming out. And Alex Ooh. was like, I'm going to stick my hand up here. It's going to hurt. <laughs> I know. I was like putting that cord back in that woman. Ow. That would hurt so bad. 
Yeah, I just wrote, holy fuck, ouch. Like, yeah. Wow, women are amazing. Let's just say that. Like, yeah. Anyone yeah. who has, like, given, any woman who's given birth or not given birth, you're amazing. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Alex, I love how Alex was like, well, I'm going to stick my hand up here. Um, but anyway, yeah. so that's wild. Uh, so it's that patient, and she ends up dying, which is like, it's really traumatic. It's really tragic. The baby lives and the the dad ends up like showing up there and gets to like meet the baby and hold the baby while his wife is in surgery, but she doesn't make it. And April has a complete breakdown. Also just want to mention that during this time, Matthew comes in because he had gotten, he'd like jumped in front of the explosion to save a kid. So he's all like, has all these burns on his leg. And so April wants to like be there with him, but has to go with her patient. So Jackson steps in to help with Matthew just to give a little. Yeah. um, So like, so April is like losing it after this patient dies. And so Avery is there comforting her Mm -hmm. and April's sobbing on Avery's shoulder. And then they almost kiss and then Krev bursts in the room or whatever. Yes. Um, And she's, she's upset because she talks about how these two were soulmates, like, like the husband and wife and how, how is that, how unfair is that, that like two people can be brought together only to be separated. And it's it's confusing. Yeah. Wait, what were you going to say? I was going to ask you a question. Oh yeah. Do you think that's about like her and Avery? I feel like she doesn't know, but it, I don't think it's about her and Matthew. Like I, I, like when Matthew says the thing where he's like, "I love she's you," she's like, "Yeah." She's explaining that to him, and he's like, "Oh man, you don't need to be scared. I'm right here. Like I'm not going anywhere." I don't think that she's actually was afraid Matthew was gonna die. You know, no. like I, I think it's more like she feels she probably doesn't even know it, but she feels frustrated that like her and Jackson should be together, but like they're not, and like that's what wise, I think so yeah. too. I also, I just want to say that, like, April is struggling with God's plan even here. And mm-hmm. I just really appreciate their, how they they write April's character. Because, like, I feel like she's always been a woman of faith. But she has also questioned and doubted. And I, like, in towards the end of her storyline, like, in the last season, she was really struggling. One of the... It's actually one of my favorite episodes of Grey's Anatomy when she is like in the really, shower. Yes, it's like I've rewatched it like a million times. Um, but I like that they're like planting the seeds here because like it wasn't just. And I think I don't know. I just like how they write that that she's this strong woman of faith, but yet she still has doubts and she wants to express those doubts. And it's I think they write it very well and very in a realistic way with someone who's struggling. Yeah. With their no. Faith. I- I completely agree. And and I, I, I like that it's a constant in her. And that doesn't mean that her faith is any less. If anything, to me, it means it's stronger because yeah. she, you have to question things in order to like continue to believe them, I believe. Um, so I think it's a beautiful storyline. There's some funny moments when like Jackson is like literally working on Matthew's ass and he's like, could this be any more embarrassing? And then like <laughs> April comes in and is like, uh, uh, and then like leaves and he's like, okay, yeah, that was more embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Because she hasn't seen him naked. No, no, right, exactly, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. And she doesn't um, want her first time to be when he's getting his burns treated. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then in the next episode, Matthew wants April to meet his mom. Yes, because his mom is picking him up, and she's like, why? At first I thought he was going to be like, because I live with her. 
<laughs> but then I, I was like, wait, oh, okay, that's not why. They um, already went over to his house, so. Yeah, I know. Shoot. I just, for some, doesn't it seem like that'd be fitting? Like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so there's another scene then where Meredith, or April's talking to Meredith and Christina. It's when Meredith and Christina are helping the Syrian doctors, and she's just kind of like blabbing about her situation. And, and Meredith is just saying repetitively, like, you have to tell him the truth. Like, you can't. Like, you can lie to him. That was fine. But how are you going to lie to the mom? Is like April's thing. Um, right. And so April's like, oh, and like wants to leave again. Like, she's just frustrated by Meredith's advice because she doesn't want to tell the truth because that's hard. Yeah. Um, but she does. Yeah. I, I was confused by like, so she has that moment with the Syrian doctor who like asks what's going to happen next with her. Mm-hmm. Um And I didn't really, I don't know. I just like, don't know if I didn't grasp like what was so important about that, but. I don't know. I did love like the Syrian doctor being like, I like took her out and under the cypress trees with like almonds and this like beautiful idea of like how like he wooed his wife and April was like, and then he was like, Dr. Kepner, we went and saw Terminator 3. Like, it wasn't <laughs> this big ordeal. And I think that was kind of the point. Like, it doesn't have to be this big thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that's what I missed. I must have, like, missed part of that. And, it, and right then, before she even tells the truth, then she's in, this was such, we can talk about the doctors then after this, but she's it runs into the one doctor in the supply closet just looking at all of the supplies and he has tears in his eyes and it's really, yeah. really sad. And she, I think is hit by that. And, um, she sees that happen. Then she goes into Matthew's room and she says, I really wanted to wait for someone like you for marriage, but I screwed up and I was so scared to tell you, but then I was watching these guys today and they literally have nothing left and they are making do. And then I thought I was being so stupid worrying about this one little thing. Like you couldn't get over it. So like, she's thinking that like, this one yeah. little thing, like he'll he'll be fine with it. Like, why am I stressing about it so much? And unfortunately, yeah. he reacts. I have some, yeah, so I have some issue with that. Okay. Um, I I do think it's fair. I'm happy that Matthew wasn't necessarily bothered that April wasn't a virgin. He was upset about the lying and the dishonesty. Um, yes. And I do think it's really unfair how she presented it to him because she only gave him, and I think he says, like, so I'm a jerk if I get upset about this. You know, like, that is how she presented it, was like, and I'm all worked up worked up about this small little thing that's not a big deal, right? And then when you leave it open like that, if it is a big deal to you, you're like, well, I'm the asshole, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? I just didn't think it was a good way... I think a better way for her to have told Matthew is exactly what she said. Like, I wanted to wait and I didn't and I lied about it and I should have never lied about it. I am sorry. That, you know, yeah, period. Yeah, I think- and then let him go from there. But instead she's like, it's not a big deal, right? Like trying to let herself off the hook. And yeah, that's not really work. an apology. No, not at all. Um, which, if you need more information on apologies, Brene go to Brown. Brene, Brene Brown's newest podcast or one of her podcasts. But yeah, it's definitely not an apology. And I I don't, because I, I also think if she would have told him this right away when they when he first said that he was waiting, he would not have cared. I, yeah, I don't think it's about whether or not she was a virgin. It's about the fact that she lied about it. Yeah, totally. So, um, so that was an unfortunate shock to her system, I think. Um, yeah. And she does, she does not end up meeting his mother. And she also ends up 
bringing the one doctor into the supply closet and stealing all this expensive equipment from the hospital. And he says, like, did you get the okay from Dr. Hunt? And she says something like, no, the truth doesn't really matter anyways, like, or something. Like, it's not. She said, honesty isn't all it's cracked up to be. There you go. Perfect. So, interesting. Yeah. I mean. Um, I'm interested to see where that goes from there. Like, do they... I just don't, I, this is, like I said, these are episodes I've maybe only seen a few times. So I'm, I don't quite remember how, I know they don't stay to, I know they almost get married and then they don't, but I'm just curious, like how long this little break takes or if he gets over it. Yeah. Because I think they get married next season. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Um, so. Let's talk real quick about the, just because we kind of hit on them, the Syrian doctors. Mm-hmm. I really loved this storyline. I just thought it was like innovative and I even feel like as a doctor, I would like be like, ooh, a challenge. Like, how can I do this operation with only limited supplies? What's devastating about it is how many, like when they, you know, they had those like limited supplies out and they were like, well, can we actually use only what we have? And it's basically like a quarter of what they had provided. And as well as like, they don't have electricity. So the lights are turned off. Right. Um, so they turn off the lights and like hold a like pen lamp over the yep. body. Yep. And it's so also sad that um, they bring in Arizona because th- a lot of children are dying. Um, yeah. And and it's just like, I, I love, well, they said they needed to learn what they can do quick and dirty, Arizona describes it. Um, and I love that everyone is involved and I felt like everyone was very empathetic to this. And it was devastating the um, scene when Callie's walking them through this Mm. operation and the guy's like, okay, but how do I do this? Like, how am I holding the patient down? And we learn that they don't even have anesthesia. Right. um, Which is just fucking terrible. And so I just thought it was a a beautiful storyline. It it doesn't leave us feeling very hopeful. Like they did learn some things. And, but that scene of the doctor in the supply closet crying really got me. (laughs) That like made me really sad. Um, Richard was being all smart with using yeah. sugar. And yeah, I just think it forced the doctors to be innovative and thoughtful. And um, and I'm just, yeah, I'm happy that they brought these doctors in. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a great storyline. I don't know that it necessarily goes anywhere else, but right. I don't think that really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it was timely to what is happening in the world oh, in sure. Syria at that time. Um, yeah. Shonda always has a great way of bringing real life stories into her show. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's really all I have on that. Other than I wanted to hug them. <laughs> I know. Um, also, I liked like Owen being the one to like kind of facilitate that project in the beginning. It feels like it's something that aligns with his values and yes. things that he believes to be important. Um, yeah. Okay. So how about we touch on, um, Let's talk about, yeah, what you have, like the Owen, like yeah. Ethan, maybe the storyline with Ethan, the boy. Yeah. So I wrote like, oh, this kid, I forgot about him. And I said, I think this is one of the things that brings on Owen wanting to have a child again. Yep. I had the same inkling as soon as it happened. Yeah. Um, I said, I said, my next note is, whoa, what is going on? Oh, the tanker blew up, except someone is on fire. That would be terrifying to see as an adult, let alone a child. Like He's like, fuck. Yeah, and Ethan's watching it. I was like, oh, God, that's not good. Get that it's, child out is of it, there. That's, that's the guy that wanted to have a smoke, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like they always kind of shit on people who smoke. Like, yeah, and like, and they're that they're fucking idiots that they have gasoline all over themselves <laughs> and like light up. I don't like, know. Like, I know plenty of people who smoke who would not go light a cigarette if they were covered in gasoline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because um, you smoke doesn't mean you're an idiot. So exactly. Um, I just wrote, oh shit, that man is on fire. Classic Grace. <laughs> like classic Grace. <laughs> um, so right away, the mom and the dad are injured way worse than the boy. The boy just has the laceration on his wrist. Christina works on the father, and there's and Owen is kind of like walking around with the kid, and they go to get an update on the dad, and Christina's like, his aorta is like shredded beef, <laughs> and they're like, uh, he's like, this is the boy's son, and she's yeah. like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, Keep talking. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, and then like the mom, there's a, she has this something going on in her brain and she, Ethan runs up to her and she doesn't recognize him and she's freaking out. Just honestly, this boy has had a really traumatizing day. Um, yes. Both wow. parents are not perfect. doing well. I went, and, I went and got coffee while you were talking. That was so oh, good. the perfect yeah, amount but- of time. Both parents are not doing well at all. And this poor boy, um, they've called social services. Uh, they're there, but he's, they call him a runner. He keeps kind of like escaping social services. Um, and meanwhile, Owen, I think, just gets really emotionally involved with this boy because he knows that he, there's no one else there to help him. Um, and because Wait. of that, oh, so go ahead. No. Go ahead. No. I'll- I was to say, because of that, he gets, like, also really interested in the way that Christina is treating the mm. dad. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, like, he's questioning everything she does, asking if she has consulted with Dr. Russell, um, just being, like, overly looking over her shoulder when she's, like, definitely qualified enough to make these decisions on her own. Yeah. I appreciate Owen trying to help Ethan, but you can tell, like, from the beginning, he's getting a little too attached Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. it's a little like to, it's like, okay, yeah, this kid obviously needs someone to advocate for him. That's why we have social workers. Like, you know, that's yes. not Owen's job. And then yep. I think the kid did get attached to Owen. So I, you know, I think it's fine, but it's, I don't know. I just get nervous about where it's coming from, you yes. know, yeah, that makes and- sense. No, absolutely. And there's like a, multiple times that he approaches Christina and is just like very harsh about her decisions. And I thought I liked at the end of the first episode, which Ethan is a he carries over into the next episode right. um, that he is talking to Christina and she says to him, do you think I would make a decision that is not in the best interest of the patient? Because mm-hmm. Owen's like, don't you want this dad to see his son again? Don't you want this son not to be a, an orphan or whatever? And like she's like hello, like, why would I make a choice not? And I hate that in that moment, he kind of doubted that she was going to do that. Luckily, I think he like, he's like, you're right. They hug and then they make plans to go home later. But it's it's a good warning sign. Um, Yeah. Well, and then even like, so the first night they like have Ethan stay there. And then like the second night or something, Owen wants to admit Ethan for the night um, because he doesn't want like him to go with the social worker because he's really afraid. And um, Arizona's like, absolutely not. Like, no, we don't do that. That's why we have social workers. But then right. I do kind of like that Karev like jumps in and tries to help. I don't really know why Karev did that, but yeah, he did. And then they ultimately end up getting like Ethan to stay. It's just like, 
It's just getting a little too attached. Yeah, it's a little, I feel like it's a little unethical, but like also I get it. But yeah, they lie to the doctors to say that he's not doing well so he can spend another night. Um, yeah. And it just feels well, like then if anyone- which freaks out Ethan. He's like, am I sick? And then Owen's yeah. like, you are not sick. Like, you're not sick. We're yeah. just all, the doctors know you're not sick. You're just staying, I don't know. It's just like- It feels like if anyone else did this, he would be so pissed. Oh yeah, I mean, he is- yeah, definitely. He would not be okay with anyone else doing this. Yeah. Um, so, and then there it shows Christina looking at, which I guess we'll touch on Christina being a parent again because with the Meredith thing, but Christina and Meredith like see Owen talking to Ethan in the room and she just knows, she's like, this is what's, because she says earlier to Mary, like, Owen's been crazy lately. I don't know if it's the stress of being chief. Like, did Derek get like that? Like, what, you know, what is it? I think he misses operating. She, like, thinks it is. And then she sees him in the room with that boy, and she just says, like, I think this is why he's been acting crazy. Is right. words. Um, yeah. And you can see kind of, like, the fear in her face, because, like, again, everything has been so hunky-dory for them. And yeah. this feels like she knows it's going to bring something up. Um, exactly. Not to mention she's been talking about motherhood with Meredith. So it's like on her mind. Right. So. Um, um, which I'm wondering maybe if we can just transition to talking about Meredith yeah. and Christina, that conversation and that whole storyline. Totally. Um, yep. So. And then I want to also kind of, I don't know. I want to touch about on like Meredith's patient with the mom and the little boy. But yeah, maybe, I have some stuff to say about that. So. Okay. But maybe first we can talk about the Christina thing. So. Um, or I guess we should probably go in order because it makes more sense story-wise. So there's this mom who keeps coming into the hospital with her son and she's like, he's sick. She's working with Joe. She's like, you sent me home with antibiotics. He's not getting better. I know my son, he's not well. And they like, I don't know if Joe runs another test or what, but they're pretty much like, they ultimately are like, I'm sorry, we have to discharge you. And she starts freaking out. I think she comes back again. She's freaking out. And so Meredith sees this going on and she steps in and she says that, um, I believe you. Like, I believe you as a mom and we're going to figure this out. Which I really loved um, that Meredith did that. I thought she was being a really good doctor. Yeah, um, I, I also just want to note, because I feel like it's... It's not the elephant in the room, but she is, the actress is Sarah Chalk, who plays Elliot Reed in Scrubs. So it's weird to see the main character from Scrubs mm, be on mm -hmm. Grace. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, she's just great. I really liked her. I like how she played this mom. And at first too, like I liked that Joe chose to stay with the mom in the beginning versus going to the trauma that was coming in. She like made that choice, which I feel like even though she ended up not being willing enough or like didn't have the knowledge to continue to keep being her doctor, uh, she her instinct at first was to like help her. Um, yeah. And it's also, we learn when the mom is yelling at Joe that she's been to all these other hospitals. Right. We didn't know that at first. Right. Um, and I love the line Meredith says when the woman is like, are you sure? Like, is it okay we're doing this? And she says, I own the hospital. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. So Meredith ends up doing more tests on the kid and they think, well, they think it's strep. Um, and then I love that they're like, we can't like figure it out. And um, the mom has done all this research and Meredith, I love that. You know, like sometimes when you come into a doctor's office, you're like, I think I have this or whatever. And doctors are like, I roll 
I can't believe this. Like, I'm a doctor here. I love that Meredith is like, great, let's see your research. Let's see your notes. Like, let's bounce ideas off of each other. And Yes, isn't, I love you, that. Yeah, and like includes the mom and then, you know, it's like, nope, it's it, I don't think it's lupus. And she's also not like condescending to her. Like, no, of course it's not lupus. You know, she's like, that's a really good idea. But like, these are the reasons why it's probably not lupus. I don't know. Right. I just felt and like- they- Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say again, like, I just feel like they're working as a team and Meredith isn't, like, talking down to her. She's, like, it's almost like mother to mother. Yeah, I would wish my—I would want my doctor to be like that, like, so strongly. It's a really beautiful thing, their collaboration on that. And I also—it's interesting, they mentioned the Kawasaki disease. That's one of the mom's suggestions. Mm -hmm. And Mare says, you know, it— all of these things check out, except that you'd be seeing all these other signs. And she's like, and also there would not be a positive strep test. So we like, we're, we're thought to like, not think about that one either. Um, it's really a scary moment when, when the Joe comes back to Mayor and says that the Parker's strep test was a false positive, like the yeah. quick fear in Mayor when she's like, were his eyes red? I don't know. How, what day are we on? And they right. like run to him and, I, it just made me really scary. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, the mom is right. And then I had GGBs when Meredith said, you you fought for your son, you were right. Um, yes, which then the, I got GGBs mm-hmm. so strongly when um, Meredith then, it's like, it's almost like immediately after that. First of all, just everyone's been asking Bailey to do a genome map of them. <laughs> right. For Because, and I, there's some really funny moments when, uh, Shoot, who says, oh, Callie. Callie says something like, my dad has this, my mother, Bunions. Like she, <laughs> and Bailey like leaves the OR with like in a hilarious way. She just kind of like flaps her arms around and is like, get out of here. Um, but anyway, so all these, everyone has been asking for them to do a genome map of themselves. And then Meredith brings Zola in and says like, I know nothing about her genetics. Um, and then she says like, if I'm going to fight for my kid, I need to know. And she says then also like, she wants to know if she's going to get Alzheimer's. And I literally had real goosebumps, Gray's goosebumps, GGBs up and down my arms because she I wants said, to fight for her kid she, too. She wants to know she has an Alzheimer's gene. I am crying. I need to get my period. That's my <laughs> note. <laughs> Did you watch it last night? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's um, funny. So, and we'll talk a little bit more about the genome mapping thing in the post-op. But um, Bailey, I like in the next episode, Bailey does agree to do the mapping on both Meredith and Zola. Mm -hmm. And so then we find out that Mare has tested positive for more than one genetic markers for Alzheimer's. So um, I think that rolls into motion, like Meredith wanting to make sure that she has her health directive set up and that she, you know, she keeps making like kind of jokes, but not like you're going to get, give me a lethal dose of morphine, Derek, when I like start showing signs of Alzheimer's, like I'm not going to put Zola and fetus through this or whatever, you know? Yeah. Cause she remembers how terrible it was with her mom and right. she doesn't want her kids to go through that too. Um, and we learned that. Christina, well, Lexi and Mark were both the guardian and next in line, which obviously are not anymore. And so Christina was the next one. And Derek says to her, like, you got to double check with her. She won't want this. And Meredith's like, yes, she will. Um, And so there's this, I loved this scene. I don't know, like, didn't remember this scene. It very much reminds me of the, like, you're my person scene, the way they, like, show them sitting next to each other. 
but they're on a walk outside in Seattle and it starts with Christina saying, of course I'll take Zola and Fetus. Um, she says, I will oversee the most confident herd of childhood professionals ever. And she goes, only German nannies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Which is hilarious. And then um, I forget how and, it comes up, but we learned that Meredith is, only, is doing 30% less surgeries than Christina. Yeah. Which was interesting, I thought, too. Because I think that ends up, like that ends up coming up again later on. Like there's kind of like a, disconnect between Mayor and Christina a little bit later. But um, but then Meredith realizes, like, Christina, you don't want to, like, you don't want to be a mom. And then um, Christina decides, like, she'll be the coolest aunt in the world to Mayor's kids. Like, she's like, how about this? You write in that I get them three weeks out of the year. And, like, we'll travel. We'll do a lot of great things and whatever. And Meredith says that they deserve a mom. And I love that. Christina says they already have a mom. You're not dying right now. Yes. Um, so they, um, and and then she also wants to go, oh, she doesn't tell Derek this. She, Meredith really wants um, Christina to hit her with a lethal injection once she shows sign, <laughs> signs of Alzheimer's, which like, it's funny, but it's not. Yeah. Um, Wait, did you say the part about what Christina says in exchange she'll do with the kids? Did I just miss that? Did my brain break? Like that she she'll says take that she'll th- take the children. Th- yeah. Did you say that? Yeah. Oh, and like the travel tattoos and how to put a condom on a cucumber. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I, I didn't say travel. I said I didn't okay. say tattoos and cucumber. I said travel. So <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Like I would hope Brie that you will do that. Well, I was just going to ask you, do I get your kids? Um, I don't know if you want them. I don't know. Sure. I know. Jake and I don't have siblings that can take care of them. Yeah. So well, knows? I will, like, I will, John and I will take your kids if you decide. But there, you also have a lot of other close people in your life that you could pass your kids to, so. They're all coming. All 25 that I have in the next five years yeah. will come to you. <laughs> yeah. Great. We have a big house. We can house them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You do. Um, it's sad, too, so that Mare and Derek are talking again and, about like disasters happening. And Derek says to her, most disasters don't happen. And she says they do to us. And he says, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And it's really sad to think about the fact that they will have to cross this bridge. Derek is going to die and Mayor is going to have to take him off of life support. Right, and it's which, like, Because I just wrote like, this is so sad because Mayor is looking to Derek as her partner to end it for her if she gets Alzheimer's, but he goes first. Yeah, it's really, really, really sad. I'm curious if the writers knew that was going to happen at this point. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's a few years away, but it's just really, I mean, maybe it's one of the reasons they had it happen the way they did because they talk about this and it's just really depressing. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I just, I think it's really wild to look at the show in retrospect and see these conversations that are had when we didn't think anyone, like this was talked about as in like, this isn't going to happen, Meredith. This is like, we don't need to do our wills. We don't need to do any of this when, like, they really do because he dies, so. Right. And I do, like, I I do like that, like, Derek doubts that Christina wants to be a mom. And, like, Meredith's like, of course Christina's going to take the kids. Of course, of course. And then when she actually has the conversation, Christina and Meredith both agree, like, mm, probably not the best choice. And then right. Derek is like, mm, see, kind of told you that that was going right. to happen. But then Derek ends up doing the genome mapping as well um, to kind of show that like, oh, there are like things in my life too, in my genetic 
my genes or whatever, that bad things could happen to me. You were afraid of Alzheimer's. I could get prostate cancer, male pattern baldness. And the other thing they mention is um, heroin addiction, which Amelia is an addict. Yes. So that was interesting. Good connection. That's in the genes. Yeah. Um, And that's pretty much what ends with them. Yes. Um, Yeah. But just to, to round out, we were basically saying like, we learned, like Christina doesn't even want to be a mom to Meredith's kids if Meredith dies. She does not want right. to have her own children. Like it, right. it's, it couldn't be more clear. And and then to round out the other part is like, Mare was so nervous about being a bad mom. And it's obvious like it clicked for her. Like she has motherly instincts. It all came together yes. for her as a mother, which yep. I think people were telling her will happen as you like, you know, have children. It just yeah comes together, I think. I don't know. Moms no. out there, tell me what you think about that. <laughs> um, so, all right. Let's, uh, I'm trying to see if I have anything more on Ethan other than that. I just said, I wonder how this will impact Owen. Like, mom ends up recognizing Ethan, so I'm assuming this is the end of his journey being on the show. Um, right? His grandma uh, gets attacked by geese? Wait, I needed to double check that. Wait, wait, what? Why did the grandma not make the flight? I swear to God it said she, she was attacked by geese. I do not remember that, but maybe. No, she. I, need no, to go- I do not think she was attacked by geese. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. And that's why she couldn't make her flight. I'm standing by that. I need to rewind and see why she couldn't do it. But, um, okay. Let us talk about now the final little thing, which is uh geese. that's insane <laughs> dude it could happen they're dude vicious. i mean they're mean i get it but like why would that mean that she can't make it to she had to go to the hospital i don't know i thought i swear to god that's what i, I heard think and she I... missed her flight or something yeah because she was attacked <laughs> i don't geese. believe it <laughs> i was too impatient to rewind and re-listen so i'm going with that that's my truth that's okay. my canon, head canon. All um, right, fine. <laughs> okay, so the next is this crazy storyline about these patients that Murphy and Bailey have keep getting these post-op infections. At first, there's right. just one, then there's two, and we learn that— there's three. <laughs> right, and, and midway through, we learned that Leah was on the—when there was just two of them, Leah Murphy is the, a constant of them all, and she had a fever that there wasn't feeling good that day. Um, which, God, in light of, like, our current global situation, I'm like, oh, my God, don't go near, go home. I know. Social distance. Um, well, but, and Murphy yeah. is even, like, you know, talking to one of the interns. I think it's maybe Stephanie. Stephanie. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. And yep. she's, like, Stephanie's, like, you worked when you were sick. And Murphy's, like, we all work when we're sick. Like, none of yes. us, we work through fevers. Like, we we do this, you know. And even the interns before, like, you know, Christina and the, our main cast, they would work when they were sick also. All the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, and then it, the Bailey just doesn't have an idea, like, how extensive it is. And when it gets spread to the three, also there's this moment that, like, Leah gets a report or something and brings it to Meredith. And Meredith's like, what is this? And she's like, proof that it's, like, I'm not going to get fired. Like, it's not my mm-hmm. fault. Because for a while, Murphy's like, oh, I'm going to get fucking fired. Like, this is the right. end of it for me. And no one can even argue with her. They're like, oh, let's just see how where this goes. Yeah, um, like, Meredith even is like, let's just look at, let's, yes, pretty much by her not saying, no, you're not going to get fired. It's pretty much her being like, you're going to get fired. Yep, yep. And so, um, 
it's something worse than Murphy getting fired. It's that it's happening to a patient that Murphy didn't even work on. And it's a really interesting way that they all kind of like, they call Bailey in and like all of the board members are there and the, which, so it's like, you know, that whole crew. And they tell Bailey that like the only doctor who touched all three patients is her. And she like mm-hmm. right away is like, oh, what, uh, 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 you know, like, but which would be like how I would be if someone accuses me of something. <laughs> um, yeah, it's she's the link between all of the patients and Avery needs to get legal on the phone and she's like, I need to go do surgery on so-and-so. And they're like, Richard, Richard will handle it. Yeah, and it's and they make her sit down and everyone's face, oh, it's so awkward. Like everyone's like, oh, yeah. fuck. Do, what did she do wrong? Do you remember? I think she has MRSA. <gasps> oh, Okay. I'm pretty sure it's MRSA, if I remember correctly. Sense. Because then she, like, has, like, the OCD thing with washing her hands. Yep, yep. That would um, make sense. But there is one, like, oh, we also, it's important, we lose one of the patients, too. So Dr. Bailey comes in, and she's about oh, to, like, yeah. freak out about Murphy. Like, it's your fault. And then that's when Gray and Murphy come, or, like, it's it's not... Um, it's not her. She wasn't with all of the patients and it was you. Um, I do want to say that I really loved how calm Stephanie was when she was telling Dr. Bailey that Joyce was coding. Um, like she, like, wh- because I think the husband is there, but I don't yeah. know. It just seemed like she handles stress really well. Like she kind of walks by Bailey and she's like, Joyce is coding, which not, I feel like some of the interns wouldn't do the same thing. I just think Stephanie's really good under pressure. Yeah, I I agree. I really love Stephanie. I also love that she, I forget what someone says to her. They're like trying to suck her up. They're like, your hair looks nice today. And she's like, my hair looks nice every day. And like (laughs) when she also says, uh, like, she's like, I am on Jackson's service today. Like no one, I will not trade with anyone. Like she Mm -hmm. wants to be on his service. It's just cute. She's got some great moments. Um, Yeah. uh, And then like the last little thing that I have, I have two little stray notes. One is that all these people are pitching their proposals to Jackson um, and he is kind of like venting to Richard and he's like, I have a proposal I want. Like, what if I have something I want to pitch? And Richard kind of like talks to him straight and says like, your your project is these, like the hospital is your project. Like Mm -hmm. the things that the hospital will fund and do, like that is what you, your project is. I don't know or your proposal. I don't know. It was just interesting kind of like twist on it. He also says to him, somebody offers to buy you dinner while they talk your ear off about something you don't want to hear. You say yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, he calls him son also. Son. Um, my last random note, and then I'll jump to you to see what yours are, is that there's that, uh, the patient that April has having a breakdown about that does not, she doesn't want to tell the husband that the wife died, the pregnant woman. Um, Alex goes in there and it's like, someone needs to tell the husband. And oh, he, says, yeah. Ch- he says, Chess Peckwell's name is on the file. Want me to make him do it? Um, and Alex tries to get him to do it. And he's just a D-bag again. And he basically says to Alex, like, you don't have a problem with me being a doctor. You have a problem with who I'm dating. Right. Um, and he's just a jerk. I, th- I think it's important to mention, too, that Karev keeps showing up and Joe and Chess Peckwell are making out, like, throughout, mm-hmm. like, the episodes. He just keeps yeah. Going. Walking in on them making out. And I think it is making Krev uncomfortable, but also Chess Peckwell is a D-bag. So there's Yeah, that. absolutely. Yep. Um, my, were those your random notes? Yep. 
I there's one that I love when Christina says, "Should I sleep or should I shower?" I could sleep in the shower, but also <laughs> I'm starving. Um, is my life? I feel like <laughs> yeah, I've yep, yep. been there before. Um, then there was another moment where Karev is at the bar and he says, "Beer, please." That always cracks me up because you would never just order a beer. I know why they do it. I'm sure they can't do like brands of beer, but it it always cracks me up when oh, yeah. they just ask for a beer. Um, I didn't think about that. You're you've been a bartender though, so that like <laughs> yeah, be like, okay, what kind what of kind? beer <laughs> in a bottle, a draft? What do you want? Um. um and let me see. I think I had one other. Oh, I there there was. I have a note. A crumb was stuck to Bailey's laptop. I think it's important to note to that in the beginning of the second episode. Like Bailey's already really frustrated with Murphy. Like there was a crumb stuck to her laptop, and she was tired. And there was pizza sauce. I wish it was blood. So she's already mad at Murphy, and then like she's attached to these patients. I think makes Bailey even more upset with Murphy. Um, yeah. And then it ends up not being her. So, yep. Yeah. Um, do it. you want to alternate the notes and trivia? Because there's so sure. many. We don't, okay. Um, this is for the first one. This episode's title originated from the song Can't Fight This Feeling, originally sung by Ario Speedwagon. The episode scored 9.02 million viewers. At least one week has passed since Idle Hands. As Derek mentioned, he hadn't seen Bailey outside of her genome lab for a week. Bailey got the money for her genome mapping project in the previous episode. This episode takes place on a Thursday and a Friday. Meredith asked on which day Parker's fever started, and Joe replied it started on Wednesday. Meredith then said they were already on the 10th day since the fever started making it Friday. Damn, Woof. who does this? Yeah. yeah. Goof, there's a scene in which Vince Cruz sees his daughter for the first time in the NICU. In the scene, we can see on the card above the baby's head that her name is Rose, while Vince decides to name his daughter Rose only later in the episode. He manifested it. Yeah. Um, this episode's Kawasaki disease plotline is based on Sarah Chalk's own experience. Oh, so it's the actress, Sarah Chalk, own experience with her son and the disease. She and her fiance, Jamie Afifi, went through an ordeal quite similar to the one in the episode where her son, Charlie, was diagnosed with Kawasaki disease when he was two. Of the experience, she stated, it was definitely a bit scary to tackle. I didn't know what that experience was going to be like to hold a baby who was made up to look like Charlie did at the time. It was probably the most challenging thing I've done, but it ended up being a really good experience. The thing that means so much to me is raising awareness about KD so it does not go untreated for other families. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, Okay, the next episode's title originated from the song She's Killing Me, originally sung by A Rocket to the Moon. The episode scored 8.58 million viewers. Oh, a lot less. Um, this episode yeah. takes place the day after the events of the previous episode, as Owen mentioned, Ethan stayed in the hospital overnight. Oh, I did want to mention um, in regards to that, there was a previously on Grey's Anatomy, and I, they don't always do that. So in the second yeah. episode. Yep. Yeah. Uh, April finally confesses to Matthew that she isn't a virgin anymore. Derek's genetic predisposition, oh, for heroin addiction, is a possible nod to Amelia's struggle with sobriety. Nice. Good find. The Seattle doctors will have to use the techniques they teach to the Syrian doctors themselves. Oh, during the superstorm oh. as the backup generator shut down, leaving the hospital in the dark. Damn. Wow. Okay. What okay. a connection. Yeah. I'm on it. Um, Alex wants money to take his orphan project global. Up to now, it only involves taking care of African kids. Ellen Pompeo tweeted that this episode was her favorite season nine episode to film. Interesting. Okay, Catherine Fox um, Award. 
Catherine Foxward, I'm nominating Meredith. I said she fought for the mother of the boy with Kawasaki disease. She wanted to know her genome mapping and she helped prove Murphy isn't the one to cause the post-op infections. I love it. I agree with you. Perfect. Uh, I rated it in we, 8 out of 10. I said not necessarily full-on GGBs, but I like the action and the introduction of Meredith being concerned about Alzheimer's. Yeah, I gave it an 8 out of 10, too. I feel like we're building to, like, the end of the season, and so there were yes. a lot of good moments, and, like, definitely the Bailey storyline is like, oh, yeah. shit, what's going to happen? So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, too, now that I know the tie-in of why the Syrian doctors, like, them having to operate in the dark, that makes it even better. So yeah. I'm sticking with my 8 out of 10. Perfect. Um, all right. So thanks again for listening. Thanks for being a patron. If you are one, we're going to call time of death. Once again, if you're a $10 patron, um, keep listening. We're going to talk about um, the genome thing. And if you're listening on Patreon, if you're just listening oh, on right. iTunes, it won't, unless you've like done the RSS feed thing. But yeah, if you're just waiting for it to show up, you have to be listening to the ones that are uploaded on Patreon. That is correct. Do you want to call time of death? Sure. Time of death, 1224. Beep.